0: Ephesians 2 and 19, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God there's another version of this verse I'd like to share with you it says you no longer wander in exile this kingdom of faith is now your home country you are no longer strangers or outsiders you belong here with as much a right of a name to the name Christian as anyone He wanted these precious people to know that you are not an outsider when you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. When you've been washed in the blood and filled with His Spirit and called by His name, you are a part of this body. You are a part of this body. But I want to tell you tonight to whom much is given, much is required. And if you are a faithful saint of God, that means you've been given part of an inheritance that we've got to start spending. We've got to start acting like we're children of God. And the enemy wants you to live below your means. The enemy wants you to live like you don't have anything coming to you. But I'm here to tell you tonight that I'll get with you in just a minute. But I'm here to tell you tonight that you are a child of God and you are an heir with Christ, a joint heir with him. I want you to put your hands in the air tonight and give him thanks for salvation tonight. Would you do that? Praise God. Would you clap unto the Lord tonight for he is worthy. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him God's been good to you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Have you ever met anybody that had money but they just wouldn't spend it? Why are y'all laughing? You act like you know somebody in this room tonight. We call such person a miser. That's what they're known as, as a miser. A miser is one who has wealth, but they live miserably for the sake of saving and increasing their hoard. That's the definition of what a miser does. In other words, they have access to amazing resources. But they're so afraid that they're going to lose what they've got that they refuse to access the reservoir that they've been given. And this happens every single day in the lives of people who have been called by His name. The devil wants you to believe that you've seen the best there is. The devil wants you to believe that you've experienced the best that God has for you. But tonight I've come to preach to you about living beneath your means. One old miser because of his exceptional greed had zero friends in his life. So just before he died, he called his doctor and his lawyer and a a Pentecostal preacher that he knew and Called him around his bedside and he said, I've always heard that you can't take it with you. But I am going to prove to you that I can. He said, I have $90,000 in cash under my mattress. It's in three separate envelopes of $30,000 each. And I want each of you to take one envelope now. And just before they throw the dirt on me, he said, I want you to throw the envelopes in. So the three attended the funeral and each threw his envelope in to the grave, and on the way back from the cemetery, the doctor said, I don't feel exactly right. He said, I'm going to confess, I needed $10,000, very bad, for some new hospital equipment, so I took out ten dollars and I only threw twenty dollars back in the grave. The lawyer said, well, I too must confess then, he said, I needed some money to pay off some gambling debts, so I took $20,000 and threw in only $10,000. Pentecostal preacher's jaw dropped and hit the ground. He said, gentlemen, I'm so surprised. I'm so shocked. I'm so ashamed of you. He said, how in the world do you feel that it's even right for you to hold out on that money? He said, I threw my personal check for the full 30000 in the grave. He wrote a check for it, and he said, that ought to be just good to cover it. Now, years ago when my wife and I married, my father-in-law was pastoring a church uh, probably 45 minutes to an hour outside of Boston, Massachusetts, uh, in a city that was called New Bedford. New Bedford, Massachusetts has a little bit of history in it. Believe it or not, a big part of its history is one of the most famous misers in the whole world. Her name was Hetty Green. She remains to this day, as far as I know, in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most miserly woman in the world. And she was coined, and I quote now, as America's most detested woman. By her own biographer. Henrietta Hallen Robinson Green. The legendary witch of Wall Street as she was coined. Took a new Bedford whaling inheritance. And turned it into an estate worth a hundred million. By the time of her death in 1916. A hundred million dollars in 1916. She was the wealthiest woman of her time. And at, at one time, I don't know exactly where she stands in 2023, but at one time, she was on the list of the top 50 wealthiest people ever, if you were to take inflation in numbers. And uh, it's pretty obvious that she loved money above everything else in her life. Now, although she was incredibly wealthy, Hetty never did enjoy her vast fortune simply because she was just too stingy. She lived in a cold, dark flat in Hoboken. She wore the same shapeless black dress for days on end, layered herself with newspapers when she got cold, seldom ever bathed. She would reuse envelopes and ate mostly oatmeal that was heated on a radiator, all to save money. They say that at the time of her death in 1916, she existed on $5 a week. All the while her bank account was increasing exponentially. When her 14 year old son who was named Ned hurt his leg severely while sledding she refused to take him to the doctor because she said it was going to cost too much. And he ended up having to have his leg amputated because it became infected. She apparently died of a stroke as history would record it After she had had a screaming match with a cook who worked for a friend. didn't work for her. A cook that worked for a friend. The cook was apparently being a little too liberal in the preparation of meals. And it bothered her that that cook was wasting her friend's money. Can you imagine? And so, it is said that after her death, that Hetty's son Ned... Spent his inheritance freely on yachts, luxurious homes, female companions. And when he died, he still had $125 million, which went to his sister Sylvia. When she died, she left her fortune to distant relatives, friends, and charities. Don't you know that Mama Hetty was whirling over in her grave when that happened? So you must understand that this woman... Lived an entire lifetime with access to the finest. But she would literally take oatmeal, put it in water, and set it on the heater, the radiator heating in her house until it got warm enough that she could eat it. I don't know if you realize the power of what was said in First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but I want to tell you tonight, you are not just the average person. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And here's the reason why. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to remind you of the obvious tonight. You don't live in the dark anymore. You are not owned and operated by the powers of sin that used to hold you bound, but you are free tonight. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and that makes you a part of a little bit of a different crew. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. There's a difference in you and people that haven't been filled with the Spirit of God. You can believe it how you want to, but I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe that His royal blood flows through your veins tonight. I grew up singing a song that said, oh yes, oh yes. I'm a child of the king, and his royal blood now flows through my veins. Anybody feel that tonight? I refuse to let the devil tell me that it's as good as it's going to get. I refuse to let the devil tell me that I've got everything God has for me. I've come to tell you that until there's breath that has left my body and I breathe no more, I'm going to push every day of my life for another blessing, for another move of God, for another revival. I'm going to spend everything I've got on the kingdom. I want to spend every bit of energy that I've got. I'm not going to hold my energy back in case I get old someday to need it. I want to give God the best with every breath that's in my lungs. I feel, I feel sometimes, I'm not just here to tell you stories tonight, but I feel sometimes that I can identify people with a man by the name of William Randolph Hearst. He was an extremely wealthy, wealthy man and owner of some of the world's most influential newspapers. He was an art collector. He loved beautiful paintings. And one day, Mr. Hearst saw a picture of two particularly exquisite works of art. And he decided that whatever it cost him, he had to have them. He summoned one of his staff members and he told them to mount a search to find... Where those paintings were located. And he said, I don't care what I have to pay. I want you to find them. So his staff left. They spent weeks traveling. They wrote letters. They made phone calls. They went to art galleries. They went all over the place. And they finally found them. They found them in a warehouse on the other side of town. In the very city in which Mr. Hurst operated his newspaper. He was filled with anticipation when his staff led him to the warehouse where the paintings were located, and when they arrived, he was confused, and he said, and I quote, this is where the paintings are located? Yes, they responded. Is something wrong? He said, well, I own this warehouse. This belongs to me. He said, everything that's in this warehouse belongs to me. He said, I sent you on a search for something that belonged to me all the time. I sent you to find something that I already had access to. You know what? The devil has been keeping you busy looking for something that you're never going to find somewhere else because you've already got it in the storehouse. You've already got it in your storehouse tonight. I'm I know, I know that he likes to paint a picture that the grass is greener somewhere else. But I've come to remind you tonight, there is no place like the kingdom of God. There is nothing like being filled with the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like being baptized in his name. I say to you what a tragedy it is. To have access to something that you want so bad. Not even realizing that you had it in your own warehouse. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Somebody say adoption. Whereby we cry... Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Somebody say this with me right now that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. I want you to know tonight that the devil is a liar and you are rich tonight with the great things of God. You are not a second-class citizen. You are a child of the most high God. I don't know tonight what it's going to take for some people to realize that you don't have to be identified by what you've been through. You don't have to be identified with what you came out of. You don't have to be identified by what he brought you over. There's a reason why he told blind Bartimaeus to get rid of that bed and go about his way. There's a reason why he told the lame man at the gate that he needed to do something a little bit different than to, than, the, than to have a bed to come back to. Some of us get hung up on the porches of things that are identifying us. Because we've become so comfortable in what we've been through. But I'm here to preach to you on this Wednesday night with all the strength that I've got in my voice to tell you that the devil has been lying to you and the devil's been trying to make you believe that you're going to be stuck there forever, but I wish somebody would get it in your mind tonight that 38 years was long enough on the porch, and however long you've been bearing this thing, it's long enough. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to come out. It's time for you to start spending the inheritance that God has given you. The Word of God is a passport that gives me opportunities to visit places in the Spirit that I couldn't go if I wasn't a citizen of this powerful kingdom. As many of you know, I love aviation. And one of the craziest stories that has ever come in contact and crossed paths with aviation is a man by the name of Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was literally... A nut job. He was crazy. He lost his mind. He literally, as one of the wealthiest men in the world, died as a recluse, paranoid to step out of his house because of germs. I can't imagine the fear of stepping out of my house. Listen to how this works now. Tell me you can't draw a parallel with this. He was so afraid to step outside of his comfort zone this man had flown more airplanes, had got off the, the ground, had, I don't know, have you ever heard the story of the spruce goose? You know, they said it wouldn't fly. Yeah. Howard Hughes said, I'm going to make it fly. He got it off the water just enough to show everybody it will fly, landed it, and they took it back. And it's, it's to this day in the museum in Portland. But he wanted to show everybody it'll fly. You know, I can't imagine spending my whole life, put your seatbelt on right here. I can't imagine spending my whole life trying to tell everybody else, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. But when a spirit of intimidation got me locked up in my own house, I wouldn't believe what I preached to everybody else. The devil's been lying to you, telling you your feet aren't gonna leave the ground, but I've come to preach to you tonight. You can fly. You can make it. You can come through this thing. You can come out of this thing. You can either stay right there where you are and die with the inheritance. Or you can declare it over your life tonight. I will have revival. I will have a breakthrough. My family will be saved. My children will be saved. Folks, I want to be honest with you. I'm going to be really transparent with you. But I can't stand arrogant people. I struggle with it. My wife can tell you, I, I, I really struggle with people that are arrogant. I don't like people that flaunt stuff. I, I can't take it. I don't do well with it. I've always struggled with self-promotion. I, I can't stand it when people are always pushing themselves, pushing themselves. But look at me, look at me, look at me. But I'm going to tell you something that drives me crazier than somebody that flaunts their riches. And that's somebody that has riches and acts like a pauper. That's somebody that has talent and acts like they can't offer anything to God. It's somebody that's been blessed with intellect and a mind and the ability to pray and seek God and study and get in the Word. But when somebody asks, it, well, it's just not my gifting. I tell you tonight, somebody in this city and somebody in your life is waiting for you to tap in to the resources that God has blessed you with. Woo. Amen. I'm going to get through this tonight if it dehorns every cow in Texas. I want you to understand tonight that whenever we act like we haven't been blessed, all we're really doing is lying on God and being stingy with what He's given us. You can be seated. There's not a man or a woman in this place tonight that hasn't been blessed so good, so powerfully. If you woke up this morning and sucked oxygen into your lungs, you are blessed. If you got in a car and came to church tonight, you're blessed. If God provided somebody else to give you a ride to church, you're blessed. If you had a meal on your table today or you ate from the finest steak restaurant within a hundred miles of here, you are blessed. I'm blessed. And I'm tired of the devil trying to tell me something different. I'm tired of the devil trying to tell you something different. Whenever he starts, can I, I'm sorry if this sounds mean tonight. But whenever he starts running his stupid mouth, you ought to just tell the devil, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed when I come in, and I'm blessed when I go out. I'm not talking about prosperity doctrine. I'm talking about a fellow citizen. I'm talking about somebody that's been brought into a covenant. I didn't deserve it, but he brought me in anyway. It wasn't because of my goodness, but he brought me in anyway. So I want the devil to know tonight, you can't bankrupt heaven, and you can't bankrupt the good. Goodness of God. I want you to grab that Bible you got. I want you to hold it up in the air. If you got a Bible, I just want you to hold it up in the air. And I want to tell you what I'm preaching to you tonight is not Pentecostal rhetoric. I didn't get this out of the Constitution of the United Pentecostal Church or, 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 or the WPF or the Assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got it right out of here. This is what it says. You, everybody say me. You are a chosen generation. You know what that means? He chose you. I I don't care how bad it gets. You need to remind yourself. It ain't as bad as it was. He picked me up. Turned me around. Place my feet. I know that gets old to some people but there's a few on this Wednesday night that realize I'm not what I used to be. I may not be what I want to be but thank God he brought me out. It's not like it used to be. I could still be lost without God but he picked me up. I'm not just here to excite you tonight, but I want to tell you that every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, I'm trusting tonight in his love divine because every promise in the book is mine. When the devil came in the garden, he was trying to get them to question the word. And when the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus started quoting the word. I'm telling you, the power that's in that little book that you just held up, there's no way to measure it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you need to remind him, This book said that the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against you. Somebody needs to remind the devil tonight, I am not your servant. I am not your slave. You don't write my story. You don't write the ending. You're not going to tell me who I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. And I'm going to act like it tonight. Hallelujah. I know a lot of people made fun of it. But but I I heard it going around. I think Joel did it for a while. Did everybody pick up that Bible and say, this is my Bible. I don't know what else said. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can. I can be what it says I can be. And you know what? All I can tell you is I can't disagree with a single word of it. You know why? Because when you feel hopeless, there's hope in here. When you feel faithless, you find a little faith in here. When you're sick in your body, the devil don't want you to know this, but there's still healing in here. When you feel bound up, there's still liberty in here. Oh, my, 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 my. I wish somebody would just practice what Jesus showed us. When the devil comes attempting you ought to open it up and say, "Devil, it is written. Get thee behind me." I just want to hit, I just want to hit a couple of a couple of quick things tonight if I can. This word this word is so powerful. But the potential that lies in this book is absolutely worthless when you don't connect this book to your way of thinking and your way of life. If you were to grab an old turn-of-the-century dictionary and look up the word plutonium, it would say a gray, rocky-like substance of no apparent value. But we all know what happened when somebody tapped into the resource that was in the gray, rocky-like substance of no apparent value. They found the value of an atom. People walk by and say, oh, that's just a stupid book. Oh, I don't think you understand. There's a reason why this is still the number one and best-selling book of all time. There's a reason why because they've been trying now for 2,000 years to disprove it, but all they ever do when they try to disprove it is they prove to me more over and over and over and over again that God is as faithful as he's ever been, that I can trust him with everything I've got. Thank God for the word. This is the book that limits the parameters in my life. And so I'm going to live by the parameters that's in this book. And when I pick up this book and it says to me that I'm going to bless the Lord at Well, that's the parameter. At all times. I, don't, I just don't feel very good. Uh, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to bless him when there's money in the bank. I'm going to bless him when people that I wanted to hang tight walked off. Come on. You, you, can, you can put the predicament out there. You can make it. Whatever it is that you're facing, but I want to tell you, there's value in blessing the Lord at all times. First Timothy, chapter two and verse one. I want to tell you, if this book says that God is worthy of my praise, I'm gonna start acting like it. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him you got to make an effort. First Timothy two and one. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplication, prayer, and intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Hebrews 13, 15. Everybody say parameters. Parameters. This passport gives me the parameters of what I need to do. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Sorry, my iPad's glitching here. What's that? Don't ever lie in front of God's people. It didn't really glitch. I want to see if you're reading the same thing I'm reading. Let us offer the. Stop. Let us offer the. Let's try that together. Let us offer the. Can I tell you right now. If it don't cost you. If it don't cost you, it ain't a sacrifice. He said, you got to offer it continually, continually, continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. He said, you got to make an effort. You got to do something about it. You know, that's like walking around all the time in a prayer room saying, Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Yeah, yes. Could you imagine? Your wife fixes you a good dinner. You walk over there, leave your dish laying on the table, and just walk I I dare you to try it. Just walk by and say, You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Yeah, some of you are feeling it right now, aren't you? Come home, the house is all cleaned up, looking nice. You just walk through. How you doing? You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Worthy of what? Worthy of you saying something. Worthy of you expressing gratitude. This might be too simple for some of you, but I'm here to tell you, every now and then, he just needs to hear us say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Well, I just, you know, I, I, I just don't know. Well, let's just start with this. How many fingers am I holding up? Oh, so you all can see. Huh? Anybody smell that? You still smell just a faint little bit of that glue on this new carpet? You still smell that? Today it smelled like burnt rubber and new carpet in here. Anybody here can smell when the roast is just about done? I just don't really know what to thank him for. I don't. Anybody wake up laying on cardboard on the street this morning? I, I just run out of things to say, Pastor. Really. Yeah, because he didn't give me the job I wanted. Oh, I see. So now my praise is predicated on the disappointment of what he didn't do. So you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do a juke and jive on the devil. And when I start feeling that come over me and say, well, it's not the job I wanted, I'm going to start saying, God, I thank you for closing that door because there's a better one coming. If I just got about five people to believe what I'm saying right now. He is worthy and I'm gonna make the effort to let him know he's been good. I gotta offer the sacrifice of praise. Well, I just, I just really feel like a lot of what you're saying, Pastor, is more spiritual. It doesn't really have much to do with just like physically what I do. Well, hang on a second. Redemption didn't just redeem my soul. Right? Because it was blood sacrifice, flesh. And so although it's my soul I'm trying to save, it's this physical body that keeps that soul lined up. Well, I just praise him in my head. I just think it in my head. I'm not big on praying out loud. Well, you ain't read your Bible. Jesus, pra- Jesus prayed so hard that his sweat. Became his great drops of blood. He didn't sit there and listen to his iPod in the garden. He got under the weight of it. And he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but thy will be done. And I want to tell you that Jesus didn't sacrifice with his mind. And he didn't sacrifice with his spirit. He sacrificed with his flesh and with his blood. And that's exactly what he expects from me. Calvary was expensive. And he wants me to be invested in this. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. I'm going to let y'all preach this right here. Let's read that together. Glorify God in your And. They're both gods. Don't tell me he just looks at the heart. Don't tell me he don't care what I'm doing with my body. Don't tell me he doesn't care if I don't give my body over fully to him. He said, I want you to glorify God with your body and with your spirit. Folks, I want to tell you tonight, there's parameters in this book. It matters what you put on your body. It matters what you put in your body because your body belongs to him. Romans 12 and 1, most of you could quote it. Beseech you, therefore, brethren. I just don't understand why you Pentecostals put so much focus on like the way people act and the way they dress. I mean, why don't man looks on the outward. You know, that's that scripture's been so taken out of context, it makes me want to puke. For one thing, that was that was talking about a king. But even if. I walked the road with you and I want to tell you it all the more proves why I believe that outward holiness matters. Because he said that man looks on the outward but God looks on the heart. That ought to tell you man can't see your heart. The only thing men can see is what's on the outside. So we let what happens on the outside be visible to men so that they know God did a work in my heart. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your present your body, a living sacrifice. What's the first thing he said? Holy. Holy, acceptable unto God, and right there is the cat. We don't do this for men. We do it unto God. And it's a reasonable service. It's not beyond me to give God my very best tonight and if the lord says i want you to come out from among them and be ye separate say if god you know what i'm going to do i'm going to put some effort into it i'm going to say god whatever your spirit leads me to do that's what i want to do god whatever you convict me to do that's what i want to do if you want me to dance a little harder if you want me to clap a little louder if you want me to live holy i'll live holy I'm almost done. I feel like I feel like you need to realize as a child of God you got some parameters in your life that we need to learn to protect the purity in our hearts and our lives. Romans 6 and 12. Let not sin Therefore, that's the openings so powerful. Let not. Somebody say let not. Let not, let not sin, therefore, reign. What's it saying? Your spirit? No. In the part you can pinch. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This right here, this body is what affects what's inside me. He said, don't you let sin reign in your mortal man. Everybody wants to talk about that, that, that mortality, putting on immortality. But I want to tell you, until we learn to conquer this mortality, there's never going to be immortality. Woo. Second 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Are y'all picking this up? How powerful is this? The flesh and the spirit. Pastor, how do we actually perfect holiness? I'll tell you. When the flesh and the spirit are both in alignment with God perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You Pentecostals preach too much fear of God. You make people afraid if they don't do certain things that they're they're not going to please God. Really? Said holiness is perfected in the fear of God. That don't mean you walk around afraid of Him, but it does mean there ought to be a little twinge in your heart when you feel you go to do something and you feel the Holy Ghost say, ah, don't do it. You open up your mouth and say the same thing you used to say before you came to the Lord. And that time when it comes out of your mouth, it feels different than it used to. You go to put on clothing you used to wear. But when you put it on, the spirit goes, ah. You know, it's so funny to me to watch people. And I don't mean funny as in make you laugh. Although sometimes it makes me want to when I hear people try to discount the power of conviction. But it's so funny to me. The things that the Spirit leads people to do that men will get up and say it's not necessary to preach that anymore. So what you're saying then is that the Spirit didn't really lead all those people for all those years. It's amazing to me. I would say to you Probably a safe percentage for me to shoot at would be in the mid to upper 90% of people that come to God in this church that within a matter of weeks if not months they start doing things they've never heard me preach. Because it's a work of the Spirit. They... they they start feeling an odd feeling because they're used to condemnation but now they're feeling conviction condemnation makes you reject conviction pulls you close the bible said it's his kindness that leads us to repentance that conviction that you feel if i had the story i, I had time i'd tell you the full story about a man uh, that, that, that told me, I didn't get his permission to share it, but he told me some time ago, his testimony was so powerful, about one thing in his body that he hadn't let go, and he, he tried to get the Holy Ghost, couldn't get it. And on the way out the door one day, the Lord told him, he said, that's the only thing you got left that connect you to your old man. He took care of it, came to church, and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He didn't hear me preach that. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't. But I'm saying the Spirit of God will lead you. And when it leads you, I want to be real careful how I say this. Because we need the body, okay? We, do, we, we got to have the body. But I don't have to ask 49 people if that was really God leading me closer to him. You know what? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be ugly, but I'm going to tell you the feeling I get sometimes. When God is convicting people, they ask people until they find that one person that says, No, I don't think it's necessary. Man, I was doing so good. Let me ask until I find somebody that's carnal enough that i finally find that one person says, Well, I do it, and I don't, I, mean, I don't have problems. I still feel God. But God is leading you. And if they've disregarded where God has led them, it doesn't make it right for me to disregard where he's leading me. Oh, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We can't avoid condemnation. We can avoid it. We can stay away from it. Because this Bible sets parameters. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can go on and on all night. Romans 8 and 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But I like the rest of this verse. Oh, my, my, my. Listen, we're selling people short if we just teach them to get baptized and then go on their way. Yeah, right. Baptism's how we get into Christ Jesus. Right, right. Yeah. But that doesn't assure me that because I got baptized, I'm not going to feel condemnation anymore. He said the secret is you got to go ahead and get in Christ and then stop walking after the flesh and start walking after the spirit. If every decision I make is about pleasing my flesh, I promise you I'm going to live in condemnation. I guarantee it. And I'm hurrying to a close tonight, but I want to tell you what, what frustrates me about that is people follow after their flesh and then blame the church for feeling condemnation. I came to church and I felt condemned well, it, wasn't, it wasn't a church I'm not saying people don't have bad attitudes Because it may happen every now and then I mean you get a few people together It's just going to happen But you know condemnation is self choice I can't I, Nobody can put condemnation on me That I don't let put on me But if I'm following after my flesh It's my flesh That puts condemnation on me But this book says you can get it off of you. If we will learn to stay focused and learn to keep our eyes on the prize And quit debating over trivial things and start getting focused on what matters the most. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I've never had a person in this church backslide or get messed up in their mind when they were teaching other people the word of God several times a week. I've never had a person in this church teaching Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost several times a week in Bible study. Come to me and say, Pastor, I see it different. we got to stay in the Word. I'm almost done. I want to tell you tonight, i got so much to share, but I'm not going to share it all. But I want to tell you something that I believe. There may be somebody in this room that disagrees with it, but I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that God hears and God answers prayer. And since I believe it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act like I believe it. It's a resource I can tap into. I I can't imagine going to the grave. With the resources that we've been given through the power of prayer. God have mercy. How many apostolic people attend church three or four times a week. And never ever have prayer as a priority in their life. Do we believe that he hears tonight? (laughs) Hebrews 4 and 16. I'm in fast forward mode right now. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Brothers, sisters, this book says that He'll answer my prayer. I, 1 Timothy 2 and 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Hey, I'm telling you, it still works. There's not going to be a new solution because it's 2023. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take dedication. It's going to take consecration. It's going to take evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, worship, worship. Ministry, we got to buy in. You can stand. I'm finishing. How many of you believe he saves? But if you don't believe in predestination, then you don't. You, you, you believe that he saves more than just what's sitting here listening tonight. I'm telling you, I don't buy that hogwash. I don't, I, I don't believe for one second that God predestined just a few thousand people that's going to hear the word and it's going to be all right. I'm going to tell you what my Bible says and what your Bible says. It says he's not willing that. Well, I just believe God has a select few. Well, then his select few is any. I don't believe, I don't believe. Brother Stephen Gill, it shouldn't take 30 seconds to disqualify predestination. For the promise, 239 is unto you, to your children, to all who are far off, even as many... As the Lord our God shall call. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we gotta we gotta stop acting like we believe in predestination. We sometimes act like we believe that everybody's gonna be saved is saved. And we're not gonna tell anybody else they can be. I wanna tell you, I don't care if it's the richest man in this town or if it's the fella holding the sign on the corner, they need Jesus. And they have a right to be exposed to Jesus. I don't care if they've been clean for 25 years or if they're still tweaking from drugs. They deserve to know about Jesus. And they deserve to know He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Go ye into all the world. Why would we go into all the world if they're all predestined? I mean, why would we even go? Why are we sending millions of dollars a year to missions? I mean, not us. I lowered my salary from 3.5 last year so we could send a little extra. Why... Why are we spending millions of dollars around the world to tell them in Africa, in Asia, Europe, all around the world, Jesus is coming. Why don't we just save all of our money and say, well, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. Woo. God help us tonight that everywhere we go, we quit living beneath our means. We ought to tell somebody about the goodness of God. Lord, I want my life to be a living witness everywhere I go. Every restaurant I walk into, every store I go into. I want people to see the difference you've made in my life. God, I want the world to know that you are the difference maker. I want the world to know that you are a life changer. I want this world to know that you're a soul fixer. God, I want this world to know that you're good at healing broken hearts. I want this world to know that you're a God that can take your mess and turn it into a message and take your test and turn it into a testimony. I want the world to know about the goodness of the Lord. If you're tired of the devil I'm telling you this is the good it's going to get tonight, I want you to slip your hands up in the air if you feel so fit tonight just step out and come to this altar but if this is all that comes tonight I'll take it because that means I'm going to have at least 35 40 people that believe what I'm preaching to you tonight God's got more for you God's not finished with you God's not done greater things are yet to come greater things are still to be done in your life Let's give him praise tonight. Let's give him praise tonight. Come on, love the Lord. With your body right now, offer that sacrifice of praise.